You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everyone, welcome to Music Tectonics, the podcast that goes beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host for this episode, Tristra Newyer Jaeger, Director of Strategy at Rock Paper Scissors, the music innovation PR firm. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Freed and Selena Mir of Travana Tracks, a B2B software platform that has streamlined music licensing for TV, film, ads, and the like, setting the industry standard for efficiency and ease in the process. Jennifer and Selena, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I'm super excited to talk to you because I think the the the, the sort of area that you straddle between uh, film, video, OTT, SVOD, however we want to call that world now, and music is really exciting, and it's one that a lot of people in music are super interested in. But there is a there are some cultural differences, and there's some different perspectives that I really think you have, um, uh, you know, well in hand, and can really convey to some of our listeners, most of whom are from the music space, um, and really help them understand the sync world a little bit better. So I'm really excited to talk to you both today. Great. So Jennifer, um, in one minute, this is like a cruel requ- a cruel assignment here, but in one minute, can you give me a quick overview of your background? Sure. Um, primarily, it's super simple. I am a film lover. I was a film major at Stanford, and I've spent most of my career in production accounting and post-production accounting for feature films. So I worked on films like Prince of Tides and Last of the Mohicans before transitioning into post-production and founding Travana Post, which was in the Brill Building in Manhattan. So Travana Post is our parent company, which is named for my two children, Trevor and Savannah. And we have offices in New York, LA, and London, and we have worked on almost 800 films over the years. So through that lens, we've been able to interact with music supervisors, lawyers, business affairs departments, studio executives from every studio and hundreds of independent film companies. But we saw no technology that was helping the often chaotic process of music licensing. So that had a trickle down effect on us as post accountants and really made it quite difficult for us to help uh, budget and deliver the licensing that was required. So I switched gears a few years ago and decided to build a bespoke platform for this particular aspect of film production slash post-production and basically learned how to run a software company. In one minute or less, that was There we go. I think that was about a minute. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Especially when you're talking about 800 films and <laughs> a bespoke software platform. That's that's a lot to fit into a minute. Selena, can you tell us a little bit about where how you got into Travana Tracks and what your role is now? Yes, absolutely. So I've always had a career uh, where kind of the creatives and business collide. Um, you know, I grew up in a very creative family and and built most of my career in book publishing, but I was on the marketing and um, PR side. Uh, but very quickly, and I think it's due to the fact that I'm, you know, the ultimate connector, whether that's connecting to people or connecting the dots between several different conversations, um, 
I really started, you know, um, moving up. So I wasn't doing so much PR anymore. It was more management and leadership. And then I saw that if I moved from Random House where I was um, to a small, independent, but very, very well-known and powerful publishing company, I would really have my hands across so many different uh, business units because at a smaller company like that, you really um, understand how everything works together, how um, PR and marketing influence sales in different ways and, and, you know, and then how acquisitions are going to trickle down into your departments. And so I, I became a, a, a generalist and I was um, kind of relocated to Los Angeles a few years ago and was kind of trying to figure out how to find my way in, in this, in the entertainment scape that's here and was really, really, really lucky to meet Jennifer through a networking group. And she was looking for someone really with my unique skill set, which is this ability to um, run a business, but with a very creative mindset. And in addition to that, she and the team, and I love to brag about this as if I, because I, I haven't had much to do with it yet, um, have built this absolutely extraordinary, beautiful product. And they had been nose down in that and working with their clients. And so there wasn't really much marketing and awareness. And so my um, background in being able to um, kind of be that chief champion and, and get the word out more about Travana um, and appreciate everything that's gone into it, uh, but also um, have that operations mindset so that we could focus on you know, that shared goal and look at what the operations for HR and staffing and what consultants do we need and looking at all of our legal documents. And then the biggest surprise of all, security. And I've had quite the lesson in what it's like to run a software company and with Jennifer as a guide. It's been so fun. Yeah, security is one of those things that's so important, especially I imagine in, in film and TV, and yet um, is overlooked so often until disaster strikes. But uh, he heaven forbid that should happen to anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast. All right. So before, um, that's that's really, really cool. So I, I want to ask you a little bit about the film, TV, um, and ad space for a second. Um, a lot of times when we talk about tech and entertainment, we're looking at what we see, the sort of shiny, cool things that create the imagery or that enhance the storytelling that we see in front of us on a screen or elsewhere. And I'm curious, what other aspects of tech are, are there that you feel are really important to entertainment? And what are we not seeing behind the scenes? What's the sort of back office tech that um, has been impacting production in ways we might not even guess? Cool. Um, I'll take that one. Um, well, it's basically production 101, but updated for the 21st century, right? So if you think about line producers, UPMs, ADs, really any of your key departments, you can no longer be the best in your field without technical skills. So for example, like for scheduling, we used to have those cardboard strips with each scene number on it that you would reorganize to decide how to schedule. Now everything's digital and you can't imagine doing it any other way. Um, in accounting, obviously where I came from, you cannot imagine making 
budgeting a film without using movie magic budgeting. So effectively every single department on a film crew has innovated with more sophisticated technologies to make each of them better at their jobs. And those tools are what provides all sorts of things, right? Digital organization, inventory capabilities, interdepartmental collaboration, access to studios, partners, wherever they're located. So yes, it's fun to talk about VFX. And of course, we love great storytelling and actors, writers, directors, all those things. But without the technology behind it, it's not going to be able to be created at the level that that um, the storytelling deserves to be told. But somehow, music licensing never had that transition, right? So you have these really talented professionals who are using binders. I mean, they're using outdated spreadsheets and randomly labeled PDFs that are scattered everywhere. So regardless of how brilliant you were creatively or how excellent of a negotiator you were, you really didn't have a productivity tool that was made exactly for what you did. And that's what we set out to do. That's great. I think it'd be really helpful for our listeners to hear a bit about how exactly the workflow goes for music licensing, or maybe in other words, how music fits into the production workflow when we're looking at TV or film. I'm wondering if one of you could tackle a basic introduction to where music fits in um, and when syncs happen and how they happen a little bit. Okay. Um, you've heard the phrase fix it in post, right? So everyone's <laughs> heard that phrase, right? And Sounds mostly good. when you hear that, you think of visual effects shots or continuity errors that need to be adjusted. But often music is really the best fixer of all, right? It makes a scene scarier. It makes it more, I don't know, romantic. It makes it funnier. That's just a, a basic thing that everybody knows who loves film. But what maybe you're asking is what you're not aware of is that um, music supervisors, when they get a script, they have to come up with multiple options for every scene that's in, that's in there that needs music. They have to line up for the director and the creative team, multiple choices that each one needs to be researched, negotiated, approved so that it can be selected by the team, you know, by the editor, by the director, by marketing, whoever is involved in the creative process. And some of those choices are made during principal photography. Like if they're on camera performances, um, you know, sung during the shoot, some of those choices are made in editorial and a lot of them aren't really made until the final mix. And it, that can be a creative reason or a financial reason that they end up with more money to spend at the very last minute or less, depending on how their luck is going. But regardless, every track that's used must have a fully executed license and a proof of payment to legally protect the production and the distributor, showing that they have the right to use it. So this entire process, this entire workflow requires a high level of organization. And from all of the people that we've talked to throughout this journey, we've heard over and over again, the paperwork is about 70% of the job, believe it or not. So a truly great supervisor can select and negotiate great music 
but they also have to be great at paperwork. And that might be something that people don't realize. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So a lot of, so what you're saying, just to recap, is a lot of these decisions are made rather late in the process of completing a production. Absolutely can be. So you have to be prepared. You have to have all that information at your fingertips. They can swap out songs at any given time. And it's not until really the final mix is laid down that you know exactly what's going to end up in the project. That make that sounds pretty daunting for <laughs> for all parties involved in music licensing negotiations. Um, so on top of that um, challenging workflow or, or post-production situation, are there other aspects of music licensing that have kept it quite challenging? It feels like it's a it's very difficult not only for um, music supervisors and production teams, but also for rights holders to figure out how to navigate sync. Why? What are some other elements that come into play? Well, it's very, very complex. So there's a lot of players involved. And I'll tell you, you know, I've been here for close to a year and I was so exhausted in my education on the complexities for the first month of working here. But again, (laughs) luckily I had Jennifer to guide me. Um, So not only are there a lot of players, but there's a lot of minutia to ensure that you've cleared the right rights for the very specific usage that you've accounted for each license. And that can average like, you know, four licenses per track. If you're a hip hop song, you might have something like 24 licenses per track. And then each of those licenses has a lot, like I said, of of complexities within it. And then on top of that, um, often the metadata is pretty messy and catalogs are often changing hands. And so there's just a, a lot going on that in addition to having to make sure that everyone agrees on the creative decision, you've got to make sure that you've got all the the business side of this right. And there's a real trickle-down effect if you don't. You know, the metadata, the catalogs, like that's going to make sure that your license agreements are made with the right people and that your splits are right. Um, and it's there. this isn't a rate sheet, right? There's no like, oh, it costs, you know, $5.99 for this gallon of milk kind of thing. It's um, It depends on the context, the use and the duration, who's involved in it. Um, so maybe, and maybe um, you've cleared a song to be used in a series, but the owners of those rights say, you can use it in the show, but you can't use it in the marketing. And so then you have to keep track of where you're allowed to use it, or you can use it in the marketing, but you can't use it on these platforms. You know, So, so there's just so much. And what, so when we say paperwork, we really mean... Um, organizing a lot of information and making sure that the production is protected. Not only is the production protected, but the creators of the music are protected and they're getting the credit and the money and all of that that they're due. Um, But we love that it's so exciting and creative and that these negotiations can go in a lot of different directions because it's really more of an art. Um, And I I imagine that that's the part that really like excites the music supervisor after um, that making those creative decisions. They love kind of getting into this negotiation because it's not just something you can look up. And all this to say, relationships are absolutely crucial in this business. They play an enormous role in music clearance and licensing. And that's an area where we at Travana pride ourselves. And I think we play a really important piece in uh, maintaining those relationships. 
Awesome. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back in a sec. Whoa, the ideas are flying fast on this episode. If you want to follow up on anything we're talking about today, we've made it easy. Head over to musictectonics.com and find this episode on the podcast page. You'll see show notes full of links and a timestamped roadmap of the conversation. We're not responsible for internet rabbit holes you tumble down in the process. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Okay, we're back with Jennifer and Selena of Trivana Tracks talking about the wild and complex world of sync licensing and how to manage it better with technology. So a lot of artists and labels and rights holders of various flavors and kinds often look to sync uh, as a growing source of revenue. Or, you know, if you look at, for instance, there's a recent RIAA uh, report that shows the, you know, a pretty notable growth in sync. And, you know, from the music side, you kind of think, oh, that sounds really cool. That's awesome. However, I think there's another perspective that we need to keep in mind, and that is the perspective of music supervisors and their teams. And I'm wondering, what's the business, what's their business perspective on all this? How are they seeing these negotiations? And how should uh, music folks adjust their understanding to better, to build those better relationships with uh, music teams who are working on these productions? Well, like Selena said, it is an art and every um, song choice and negotiation is handled individually, but I have no doubt that supervisors delight in it, and um, especially when they have the perfect matching of song to picture, right? That's the, that's the end goal that everybody's striving for. And what they have in their hands is the power to really break something into the market, right? Whether that's a brand new band that can take off because now everybody knows them from being in sex education or, um, or just a track that is not as familiar to some people and now becomes more familiar or they're revitalizing an older song. Yeah, my husband recently asked me why he was hearing Kate Bush on the pop on like our pop radio station. Is like, well, <laughs> and sure, it's such a great example, and it's so exciting for like you know teenagers to be singing that incredible song that was important to us, so many of us. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. I mean, that was the most thrilling example. But there's all kinds. I just um, rewatched Ted Lasso because now I'm all into football <laughs> with Wrexham, but, um, watching like never going to give you up right in mm -hmm. that, in the episode with the funeral that was written into the script, but that is also a revitalization of that song or she's like a rainbow. You know, it can be an older stone song that, that, um, uh, is lesser used or any, any multitude of examples, but that's, the thrilling part of this of this industry. But in that, there's got to be, you know, it's like some sort of a gamble that needs to be taken by both the artist and the labels to give the track the exposure. Um, because if it takes off, every single person in the orbit of this track wins, right? From the supervisor's reputation for picking and getting such an amazing song on screen to um, the artist and to the licensors in terms of downstream royalties. 
So open minds, open negotiations, open wallets. You know, we hope that uh, all of this is just to enhance getting great content on the screen. And just think about how much the workload for um, the Travana users has multiplied, right? So you think about the complexities of just one track. Now multiply that by many in a production or in an ad or in a video game, and then multiply that by the number of productions that are, are coming out right now. So it's really like to manage this side of things in this world of, of just really unprecedented content creation, um, there's a very high level of organization required. So let's talk a little bit about what we could imagine um, improving or getting closer to some ideal. Is there an element of the way things work now that if you had a magic wand, you would change? Besides, of course, everyone <laughs> adopting a certain B2B tech pro- platform. Um, is there is there a, a more general um, stumbling block or um, challenge that everyone's facing that you wish we could we could find a good solution for? <laughs> Well, obviously, <laughs> the adoption of Travana, obviously, but in all seriousness, um, technology uh, is the highest productivity-driven investment a company can make, whether it's a small business or an enterprise. And there are a lot of technologies um, within licensing and sync and music management that are ethical and that are here to ensure that the creatives are given the credit they deserve and that they're getting paid. Um, And so on the one side, if your metadata is messy or if you don't have a business manager to help you, it's nearly impossible to collect. So you need technologies to help you do that. On our side, if you're tracking your clearance in a Word doc that where the you know numbers don't match up, or you've got an Excel grid and um, it's super messy and it's missing fields and the splits are wrong, there's a real downstream Im- impact, like Jennifer mentioned, on on those artists and the right songwriters. And you know, it's just adopting a technology does require a real shift in mindset. And like Jennifer mentioned. Um, until Travana, there wasn't anything on this side. So having these conversations is so important. You know, we're here having this conversation now. We were at Music Tectonics um, talking about technology and music. And so that's the first step. Let's make sure that we're talking about the technologies that are available and the impact that they can have, because that's how we're going to get the industry to shift. And and we have to look at music supervisors um, as an industry and get them to adopt a new way of thinking. Um, You know, and some professionals are are total visionaries, but some of them really are kind of set in their old ways. Um, But as Bradley Cooper sang, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Oh, oh my God. I love it. Star Wars reference. I mean, it's hard. I can imagine a, Can't music, get enough. a music supervisor where everybody is, you know, you're, you're trying to listen to music. Your brain is like sort of in one space and then getting to all the organizational and, you know, the, the systems thinking feels like you just don't have the bandwidth. So I could totally sympathize with that. Um, but I, th- and I think it's great when you can go and just be like, I can do, I have, I have a method. I know exactly what I need to do. And this, this, um, this software will help me or this uh, approach via technology will help me. So we're going to take one more quick little break and then we'll be right back with my favorite part of the podcast. What's up, beautiful listeners. I've got a question for you. What do you want to hear next? 
Let me know at pages.musictectonics.com slash feedback. Suggest future guests and music tech topics you want to hear us cover and tell us how we're doing. Again, that's pages.musictectonics.com slash feedback. Look forward to hearing from you. Okay, we're back. And this is my very favorite part uh, when we get to get just a little bit sci-fi. So you don't have to talk about... um, post-production or music sync, ladies. You can talk about whatever you want, but I would love to hear what you imagine happening in the next five to 10 years where music and picture collide. What are we looking at? What what do you imagine if maybe in an ideal world and maybe in a a world that seems a little more realistic? You can go whatever direction you want. Hmm. Um, Okay. I think that our blue sky idea is that just rights holder identification would just be yes. very transparent, very accurate, very, very simple. Again, that doesn't take away the creative or relationship aspects of getting music into um, picture, but that is the tedious part of it that doesn't take those great skills and I would love to just see that part be so far behind us that we can just easily find what we need so that the right people get paid for the right type of usage. I don't know if that's really sci-fi or not, but um, it is. If you think about the many failed attempts to create like a global publishing database or even just the valiant attempts like by um, the MLC or the PRS right now, they just announced their portal trying to just get all the info in one place that's been verified by the rights holders themselves like that. That I mean, it would wouldn't it be a beautiful world if we could just laugh at that and be like, wow, that was so crazy that people had to do that. It'd be like, you know. Um, thinking about people having to wear crinolines or something. Um, so I share that dream, Jennifer. It's a beautiful one. <laughs> <laughs> well, my hope, uh, you know, there's so much talk right now that is very consumer driven, you know, streaming and the metadata of metaverse. Um, but let's shift the conversation around entertainment and technology to what's happening in the on the business side, what's what's the impact of proper B two B technologies, um, and and it doesn't you know rather than just always thinking about like the consumer side of technology. Um, so maybe you know it's not super sexy you know to it, it is super sexy to talk about digital advertising that could be interactive and the metaverse and NFTs. But the right technology toolbox is really crucial to finding efficiencies and running a profitable business. And that's why um, I think we're going to get very much away from these, like this idea that these sweeping, you know, productivity tools or budgeting tools can do everything and make sure that we're um, collecting the right mix of technologies for each area of the business so that all those little nuances of which there are many in a production are handled right. And that's my dream, which does, again, doesn't sound very sci-fi, well, but well, wouldn't you know, it be beautiful? That's the thing that's so funny is sci-fi always dreams of these silver bullets or these really <laughs> radical disruptions. But in, in actuality, the way 
the way uh, humans tend to progress is by, you know, instead of one giant key, we have 50 little keys that unlock just the right door. So I, I completely understand what you're saying. And, uh, and it, it makes a ton of sense. You know, it doesn't have to, I mean, we can also have flying cars. Okay. We can have flying cars. All right. <laughs> well, um, sorry. It did get going a little um, flying off in the wrong direction there. So wait, before we stop, I have to sw- I have to turn the tables okay. and ask you a question. Ask, no one's ever done that before. You're this is what oh yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> what is your favorite synced song and moment oh, in a production? God, this is so hard. And remember, I'm really old. So I'm gonna like name something from like, you know. Um, <laughs> from like, from like the, like, you know, man with a movie camera era of Soviet film or something. Um, let me see, which were silent. So that's, that's a really kind of an absurdist joke right there. Um, all right. Let me think you've really put me on the spot. Okay. Let me think of a film. You know what I have? To, all right. I'll name one. Um, this probably, this isn't the only one, but I, I just read recently a really interesting interview with Oh God, this is some record, or maybe it was an interesting article about um, David Lynch's um, Blue Velvet. And yeah. there is that amazing Julie Cruz song, um, The Mysteries of Love, which uh, they actually wrote for that film because they couldn't license This Mortal Coil, which is one of my um, favorite bands from childhood. Um, and I was like, and that, but that song is just so deeply moving and yet so strange. And it's a lot like a lot of, um, Lynch's world in that it is both absolutely compelling and kind of creepy. And that's why I love that song. Um, that might be one. That's one I can think of <laughs> off the top of my that's head. That's a great answer. And I am going to add that song to our Spotify. We have a little Spotify channel, friends and family playlist. So that's going on there. <laughs> okay, just, just, if you have beautiful. like a section of the playlist where it drifts into the like, everyone starts tearing up now. So, you know, you don't want it with too many, like, you know, everything is awesome from like the Lego movie and then you hit Julie Cruz and you're like, awesome completely destroyed. <laughs> like you asked my nephews that question. <laughs> I, I, everything is awesome is not my favorite sync. Um, <laughs> it's not a bad song though. Okay. Anyway, well, thank you for turning the tables. That was super fun. Um, and um, I'm going to be thinking about that question more. So I'll have, to, I'll have to get back to you if I come up with anything else. It's amazing how powerful music is. It, that it absolutely. That has stayed with you all these decades, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, and, uh, you know, when you, when you hear the, you can even see like the color palette or like the, you know, the sort of basic production, uh, artistic sort of direction of a production when you hear a certain song sometimes. So it's, it, is, it is really uh moving and um, makes a deep impression. But well, thanks both of you for talking to me about film and music and B2B technology, not subjects that I get to talk about all at the same time usually, but this was super fun. Thank you for having us both to also talk about our three favorite things, (laughs) film, music, and technology. All right. This was so fun. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. 
Did you know? You can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.